Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch where we continue the series on the seven S's or the seven pillars to your health, to your life force, to your longevity. And so far we've shared episodes on sustenance, starvation, sleep, strength. In today's episode, I'm going to cover one of my popular topics and that is the topic of sunshine. It's one of my favorite topics because I always say to my friends and family, and it's, it's become a joke, but I'm always serious about it. And I always complain when there's not enough sunshine. I say, hey, I am solar powered. I need some sun on my skin. And I remember a few years ago before the pandemic, I was in New York City. And New York is one of those cities where you don't get to see much sun, especially if you're there in winter because of the tall buildings. And I remember there was like two hours in the day where Central Park received two hours of sunshine. And I remember going to the highest peak in Central Park with my wife on a bike and waiting for the sun to hit my skin because I just couldn't function. My energy levels will drop. And what became a joke then, as I started researching the impact of sunshine, I realized that our skin, it's like they're solar panels. And we need more skin exposure to the sun, much more than what we think. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to capture the sun, the reasons why the sun is important. What does it do in our system? How do these solar panels work on our skin to control our hunger? We're going to talk about things like leptin cells, ghrelin cells. We're going to talk about the difference between UVB and UVA, how UVB causes the production of vitamin D, how UVA causes aging, how we can use the sun as red light therapy. We're going to talk about blue light, red light, green light, you name it. And I'm sure you're going to love this podcast because I absolutely enjoyed researching it. And on that note, I want to welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Scott Wustenberg, who is our resident expert, who is with me on this journey presenting the seven S's. So Scott, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So sticking to our format of what, why, and how, I'm going to flip it a little bit. Why is sunshine so important? You are a solar panel. And unfortunately, you're a solar panel with covering on most of it. Yep. So currently, you are not getting with your outfit much in the way. And I know we're inside, so let's, let's just ignore that yep. factor. Yep. But it's the more skin contact you have exposed, the more vitamin D you can generate from the sunshine that you're exposed to. Now, vitamin D is, as we've just spoken about, incredibly important, but there's more to sunshine and there's lots of stuff that we don't understand. Partially, some of it comes down to light quality, setting that circadian rhythm that resets hormones. So the pineal gland and the optic chasm have a link from the light hitting it and the frequency color change. So it's much brighter in the morning and it becomes more red in the evening. Yeah, that's right. And that's what candles represent, kerosene lamps represent. Computer screens and TV screens, especially these LED versions, the OLEDs are super bright panels, burning your retinas out. Wow, I love that. There's nothing wrong with them if you're watching TV during the day. Well, exactly. 
<laughs> but the problem is most of us do our TV watching in the evening time. And so, of course, we're sitting there at nine o'clock at night going, that was awesome. See the bright colors. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I don't have a LED TV. I'm just yeah. aware that that's not necessarily the best thing. And I keep all the lights in the environment very low. But getting back to it, basically, we need the ultraviolet light that the sun produces to hit the photoreceptors in the skin to actually create the vitamin D. And you also need a vitamin D receptor to be there. And some people don't make enough vitamin D receptors genetically. And so this is one of the things that we test for in our epigenetic profiling. So again, you know, both UVA and UVB can make vitamin D in the body. So the popular misconception is that it's only one. Both can do it. One does it. Is that right? One does it more efficiently. UVB. No, 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 no. UVB penetrates more deeply and is a shorter wavelength. But UVA tends to cause more burning at that moment in time, or more premature aging. Aging. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been told UVA is A for aging. A for aging. Think of it as A for aging. And UVB B for burning. Yeah. But ultimately, we need the UV light hitting our skin and actually stimulating the adaptation. You could think of it again like a hormesis scenario whereby a little bit of a stress stimulates a change and without it, you don't generate antioxidants for a start. Okay, very interesting. Yeah. So you need antioxidants from food to protect the skin against sun damage. But you generate antioxidants. But you also generate antioxidants. So the body makes really good antioxidants. Yeah. So glutathione is produced by us. We also produce these very large protein blobs that glutathione and vitamin A and vitamin C, etc. help recycle. And so things like superoxide dismutase will soak up a million free radicals per enzyme per second. And some people produce lots of it. Some people produce very little. But again, we produce it under stimulus, that hormetic stress. I've got something hitting my skin. I need to build up a protection against it so it doesn't tip me over the edge and damage me significantly. So is sunshine only important when it comes to vitamin D or is there any other functions? The answer is it's imperative for vitamin D, although we can now supplement to get vitamin D. But the ultraviolet light is specifically shown to affect mood. Okay, We don't necessarily understand exactly how that's occurring, but it has specific effect on a thing called SAD, seasonal affective disorder. Without enough ultraviolet light, we become quite depressed. Trap someone in a house for a long period of time out of the sunshine, they become quite depressed. This is one of the things I think has been most poorly managed by the medical practitioners influencing the government. I don't think they got their message through strongly enough to say, actually, people need to be outside. Outside is where it's safe. Inside, trapped in a house is where it's not safe. Now, you know, it's easy to say that two years down the track, though, isn't it? Yeah. But nonetheless, that's what the scientific evidence was suggesting. And the, the ultraviolet light affects serotonergic receptors. And as I said, it affects hormones. The reset at a certain point every day of your circadian rhythm. So one of the things in there, which also ties into sleep, is too much blue light especially in the evening time, disturbs the release of melatonin. Now, melatonin has several effects. One, it's a sleep pressure nutrient. 
but two, it's a very powerful antioxidant that reduces cancer risk, okay? Especially breast cancer. Did not know that, yep. Melatonin. So how do we get more melatonin then? Well, <laughs> well you gotta make serotonin for a start. So serotonin then gets converted into melatonin. How do we produce serotonin? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to eat enough protein because the basis of it is tryptophan and you have to have enough zinc and some B vitamins, etc. So there's a nutritional element. There is a nutritional element, absolutely. But there's also the sunshine. How does the sunshine element come into that? That's the part we don't really know. Okay, but we know there. We know it. It's there. We yeah. know that without that ultraviolet light, the circadian rhythm, and so that's that thing is that we don't know exactly, but we know it's related to the circadian rhythm, and then it goes on to affect other things. And there's probably people out there who know lots more about it than I do, because that's what they're studying. Right. right. But as of yet, I haven't seen the published data to say it's absolutely this. But the last blue light your eyes sense at night, it's two hours after that that you release melatonin naturally so if you're staring at a blue screen at 10 o'clock at night it's midnight before you're releasing melatonin to push you into your deep sleep cycle wow i think a lot of people listening to this isn't that you are making that mistake i certainly hope they're going to change yes two hours so really you should not be looking at any artificial light at night two hours before you plan to go to bed correct that's when you should be dimming the lights lighting candles absolutely putting on some have a bath sade be, absolutely take that tone down connect yeah. or Nora this, Jones I'm more of a fan of Sade. I okay. think she's awesome so I think that's really quite yeah. an important concept so another concept that might strike people here in Australia who are listening as a little out there in the winter time no one mm. below Newcastle is going to make vitamin D no matter they could spend the entire day outside naked no vitamin D. No vitamin D. In what times of the month? What, what are we talking about? Winter time. Winter time. June, July, August? Yep, absolutely. June, July, August. No None. vitamin D. None. So what do we do for vitamin D then? Supplement. Okay. Or what we used to do, of course, as nomadic people, is we would traipse northward, or we'd have been outside so much that there was plenty of buildup in your system and that got you through the lean months anyway yeah because you do store vitamins yeah, don't absolutely you? absolutely right. certain foods that we will eat again like cod liver for yep. instance cod liver oil has some vitamin d in it again we credit milk as having vitamin d i'm not sure that's as egg, much egg the yolk. case egg, egg yolk, yolk to some degree salmon again it's more again salmon mm. liver or salmon okay, oil yeah. i actually eat cod liver yep. itself. You're a braver man than I am. I, I, <laughs> I, I recommend it. but Icelandic I, cod liver. I, yeah. I love it. it. It tastes like pate. Well, I like really pate. Like... I'm happy to eat pate. But, oh. <laughs> Incidentally, over dinner last night, we forgot to serve oh. chicken liver pate. Oh, no. That know, is a shame. Sitting there. I'll, I'll enjoy it tonight and think of you, Scott. So. Perfect. So that, I think, is a really important thing because if there's only certain times where it's necessarily safe to be in the sun without burning yourself to a crisp. So in the middle of high summer, you know, we're talking early in the morning, late in the afternoon. Where I am in Brisbane in the middle of winter, I can get vitamin D production between about 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. and after so that. So in Queensland, you can yeah. still get vitamin D during in, winter. Correct. Is that why everyone's moving to Queensland? <laughs> well, it's one of the possible reasons. There are a few others, perhaps. Now, I read, I think this is uh, Professor Hollick's work. Yes, he's fascinating. When you're standing in the sun and your shadow is longer than you, yes. you're not getting any vitamin D. 
Is that right? The honest truth is I don't remember. Okay. He didn't really spend too much time on because that. Because you mentioned I... morning. Yes. In summer, you can get it in the morning. Yes. But not too early in the morning. No, that's true. However, it's fundamentally down to the intensity. And so regardless, I would still be suggesting starting early in the morning and trying to get sensible sun exposure to get a little stimulus to build some melanin. So if you can build some melanin at all and get some coloration, then you're getting some vitamin D production. Excellent. Okay. Okay. So on that... Yep. With melanin, a person of like African descent, Indian descent, etc. Yep. Yep. They automatically have an SPF of five to ten to start with, so they will take longer sunshine exposure to get the same amount as my very lily white skin will, and yeah. they have a greater risk, therefore, of burning if they haven't had regular exposure to keep that stimulus. Okay. Glass stops the appropriate UVB vitamin D production, but will still allow you to burn and prematurely age. So you cannot sit in a solarium or in your car and not get damaged. Or in an office looking out the window thinking I'm getting sunshine. Yeah. You're not actually getting any. But but you're burning. Yes. Okay. Now, apart from vitamin D, there is a different spectrum of light in the morning versus the evening. Yes. They must serve a purpose. Well, the suggestion is that's to do with that optic chiasm and the reset of the hormonal cycles for the day. That's the stuff that they are certain that the tracking of the frequency of the light, where, again, this is much brighter blue light in the morning. Yes. Yellow in the middle of the day. And then red. Red. And so if you think about the spectrum of light, they are different frequencies and different wavelengths. So again, red is associated with fast cars, but it's actually a slower wavelength and blue is a much faster, shorter wavelength. And again, if we just think about the brilliance of humans, you need more of the red, slowing, calming things to push you into. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, now. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we know about it. There are things, as I said, that we know that it's doing more than just giving us vitamin D and more than just affecting mood. Sunlight is considered a vitamin in itself. Yes. Well, it's a nutrient. Yes. That's why I call it one of the four. Like there's air, water, yeah. sunshine. Absolutely. And yes. Yeah. But again, part of the problem is there aren't that many people studying it because it doesn't produce a lot of patentable biotech. Yeah, I mean, that's another discussion altogether about (laughs) the politics of what's marketable and how you can make money off things. I mean, no system is perfect, but we do have people like yourself, Scott, who do study these things and who are generous with their information and disseminate the information. We have great authors as well out there that are doing the same thing. One of the benefits of it is that it's essential Mm -hmm. for bone health. And bone health, which we'll talk about, is essential for longevity there is a big link between osteoporosis and shortening of life okay so it ties into metabolism it ties into oxidative stress it ties into brain health and everything from my perspective is brain health and if you're losing Mm -hmm. minerals out of your bones 
that equates to bad things ultimately happening. You're lowering, and this is, you know, as I said previously, too much weight is bad, too little weight is bad. This is yes. one of the aspects of losing mass equates to shorter life expectancy for a health. Yeah, so there's a sweet spot there for everything. And women are more susceptible than men. Yes, they are. When it comes to uh, bone health. I think the biggest impact mm. that we could do is we could actually have a more liberated society that actually strongly emphasizes exercise and muscle building as being a womanly pursuit. Okay? As against it being a traditionally manly, men get out and do these things. And women have, like, when I was at high school, it was really uncommon for the 15, 16-year-old females to be actively participating yeah, in phys ed classes. Tragedy. Yeah. The problem is, is that if you don't develop significant amounts of muscle early on, you don't harden your bones and increase the strength and the tensile strength and the density of them. When you stop growing those bones and they calcify and they harden, you're not getting lots more coming in. That's your peak. That's and right. that's where you start declining from. Yeah. So if you have not done math, and this is going to not just affect females now, this is going to affect all of us who they've taken. So, so schooling now is very didactic. It's learning, it's math, it's STEM, it's all the brain stuff. It's not using your body right? We don't do lots of movement-related things at school anymore. So the emphasis... And we're not outdoors getting sunshine. No, not at all. And, and, and sunshine and vitamin D is critical for bone health. Correct. Right? Not just exercise, no. right? You need the... Absolutely. Yep. But those things are de-emphasized in our economies now. And that is then going on to us going to university and then getting office-type jobs to the large. We're, we're a technical industry in Australia. We are yeah. accountancies and laws and banking and stuff, you know, a much smaller proportion is served by people climbing and cutting down trees and doing really physical pursuits out in the sun. Now, if your peak production of bone and muscle and sunshine hours was when you were 16, you've got a very low base to start with. So we're gonna see people with more osteoporosis, I believe, much, much sooner and they'll say, oh, it's osteopenia. Great, yeah, yeah, but your, your bone density is going down. This is so not good. If you're, if you're young or if you're a parent thinking, oh, look, my kids, doesn't matter. They'll sort this out in the future. You're just kicking the can down the road. Correct. And you're doing them a disservice. I and think actually, so. Actually, vitamin D is just as critical for young people now. Absolutely. Uh, and, and sunshine and exercise. Yeah. And all those things that are critical for bone strength and muscle strength. And again, if we think about traditional Australian society... We're getting them out on the cricket pitch. We're getting them out on the netball courts or the hockey fields or the yeah. soccer fields or the football fields of whichever ilk you're after. And we get camaraderie and we get connectedness and we get sunshine and we get stress on our bones and our muscles and we build and we become greater human beings because we're doing these things and we're touching other people and we're getting bacteria from the grass and the ground and the stuff and this grows us and it stimulates our immunity and we get the sunshine at the same time and we're just not doing it in the same way as we used to wow okay. and again if you think about declines of civilizations in the past where i think in a decline we're in a decline yeah we yeah. are so focused on technicalities and money and we're not focusing on the things that make humans great and that is 
connectedness and being with people. Like sport is so important, but it's now being bastardized to being a financial thing. Olympics were something, and I don't think they are the same thing. It's so focused on winning, not the competing. aspects, the, the competing. competing. The celebration. It, of. it used to be that cyclists, for instance, mm. Amateurs went to the Olympics and professionals had their own professional competitions, That's right? right. Yep. And there was a difference. Boxing, same sort of thing. We're so hell-bent on our own destruction, chasing money. And there's those classic Indian quotes that white man will mm. find that you can't eat money and that you know being the richest dead person in the cemetery doesn't gain you anything. And again, sunshine represents not just nutrients or otherwise it gives us an aspect of living of being out in our environments of connecting to things of touching things of experiencing things smelling things that's why it's one of the seven s's because it's so critical absolutely because as you said right up front we are solar powered <laughs> awesome all right on that note fascinating topic so stay tuned for next week's episode where we're going to talk about the other S's. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, as always, consciously, my friends and Scott, thank you again. It's a privilege. You're enjoying the series. I'm having a great time. Thank you, Sam. Awesome.